Hello, welcome to Mod Midwives, a Metro Midwifery podcast. I'm Gina Gerba. And I'm Nedra Hale, and we are home birth midwives serving the Denver metro area. Well, thanks for joining us this week. Um, we haven't had, well, w- let me say we're doing two podcasts at one time. So, yeah. Um, so it, it, there's been a couple weeks that passed, but um, we haven't had an Ask the Midwives podcast for a long time. So, this mm-hmm. is, that is what we're going to do today. Ask the Midwives again. Um, we get lots of questions all the time. And we thought that we would compile the questions related to um, choosing a midwife. So it's ask the midwives, choosing a midwife. And so um, it's kind of a special edition, I guess you could say. (laughs) (laughs) I do wish that people would send more questions in though. We get most of our questions in um, in in-person encounters. And for a while we were getting some good, Facebook messages and Instagram messages, but please feel free to send questions and that you want answered on the podcast. Yes, please. Um, but before we get started, oh my gosh, it's cold today. Oh my gosh. It I was am freezing so, right now. I know. And we hung out on your deck today because that's the only way we can hang out because of COVID. And yeah. so we had to have a puppy play date today um, to socialize my new little puppy. Clearly and it was my dog that needed the socialization. <laughs> he was a jerk today. <laughs> we'll have to try it again next week. Um, but, and of course she came home and like played with the cat who I am trying <laughs> to convince my daughter that the cat is the instigator in their interactions, you know, cause the puppy's always getting reprimanded Thanks. for chasing the cat, but I can clearly oh, see that the cat, even from across the room is instigating it, but she even like will come up and bop her on the head. You know? <laughs> like, so she'll physically do it or she'll be like, Hey, look at me, you know, from across the room. But you sound like um, my son. He is convinced that our cat intentionally taunts the dogs. Oh, I bet it's true. I can see <laughs> it. Like it's, I don't know. <laughs> wow. But, you're a dog person at heart. Oh no. What am I? <laughs> I? Everything I've ever known about you is called into question now. So she was so docile at your house and then she came back and was chasing the cat. So we've been working all night on, on leave it, leave it with the mm, cat. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Oh, she's so cute though. She's such a cute puppy. <laughs> really, really cute. Um, well, my dog just didn't seem to know what to do with her. Yeah. Like just was like, wait, who's this puppy? I'm, I'm sure the puppy. they'll be great friends. I think so. He'll he'll get there. He's very sweet. Um, okay. Shall we dig in to our questions? Yes. <laughs> okay, so our first question comes from uh, an Instagram follower. Um, I'm interested in having a home birth. How many midwives should I interview? Can you hear those dogs? You should answer I it because there's dogs fighting. In the- <laughs> They're not mine. Okay, you answer. Okay. So once upon a time, I had a, a potential client who was interviewing me. You know, I, the interview, the midwife client potential client interview is um it's kind of a two-way interview it's we're making sure that you're low risk for home birth 
that, um, you know, there's nothing going on in your situation that we need to be keeping an eye on, et cetera. And then, you know, you're interviewing us too. So it's a, it's kind of a two way thing, but, um, but I, once upon a time I had a client, there's about 15 midwives in Denver at any given time. I don't know if that's right right now. I'd have to really kind of count it, but she literally interviewed every midwife in Denver or oh, within, my. within a 30 mile radius. And she had this Excel spreadsheet. I think I would lose, I think I would lose track about who said what. I mean, I, I do not hard. have that kind of energy. That sounds, that sounds 15 like 15 hours, at least, wow. at least 15 hours of commitment. Wow. And it wasn't her first baby. So that meant that there were other kids to either yeah. take with you or find child mm-hmm. care for. Or... Anyway, I would say 15 is too many. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, too. so not 15. Um, what do you usually, what did you do when you picked your midwives? I, let me see. So my first home birth, I already knew my midwives because I was working. Oh, that's them, right. But I'm trying to think of how, okay, so my first pick preceptor. Your, pick your, only your fourth. Pick okay. only your fourth go, baby. Okay, that's the only the one that. That's the only one that like it was convoluted. It's the only one that is like kind of analogous to somebody picking a midwife that doesn't know all the midwifery people. Okay. So my fourth one, I went and interviewed a midwife that somebody that I knew was working with as a client. And I thought we clicked fine, just great. And that was all. That was the end of the interview process. Yeah, that (laughs) is how. Yeah, I went in with, um, I had some professional questions, being that I was a midwife, which is a little different, but I had specific questions about, uh, for example, I would like to have active management of third stage. Is that comfortable for you? You know, that kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a birth professional at the time. I was. I was a little Leche League leader, so at least my toe was dipped into the birth world, but um, I was not, so I didn't have, but I, same thing, I interviewed somebody, liked them, boom, done. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's too little, I don't know. It's probably not enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, here's what, here's what I really think. I think that most of the time, midwives these days have a pretty strong web presence or or web page at least at least a web page and you can get a lot of a sense of the midwife through the web page and so i would i would look through i would just you know look up a bunch of different midwives check out their websites um from that list i would probably you know then then the ones that seem to resonate with you i would probably pick two or three from that list i don't know And a lot of times you can see, you can tell a lot about the person by their website, which is just starting there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but there, a caveat, some midwives do not have much of a web presence and they're wonderful. So if there's somebody who, oh, let's actually, let's add that too. If there's friends of friends that have used midwives or, you know, get your word of mouth referrals too. Yes, definitely. And then, um, and then, 
you know, if, if they do have a webpage, check it out, but they don't always, you know, a lot of really great midwives, particularly the ones that have more established practices do not have strong web presences. True. So that I'm not saying that that should be your prerequisite. I'm just saying, get this, get a sense of a lot of different midwives that way mm-hmm. and then narrow it down and then interview a couple. Yeah. Maybe two or would three. Would be my suggestion. Me three. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Two or three. Um, and, and a lot of times, even though you were a midwife, there's a lot of people that have pretty specific questions for us. They might be nurses. They might be mm-hmm. doulas who've been practicing for a number of years. They, they might have had six home births themselves already, you know, so there's, we have people who come to the table with pretty specific questions and the more specific, the better, honestly. It's yeah. just, and, and we should, um, you know, go back to, we have one of our very first, maybe our second podcast was questions that we wish people would ask us. Um, but the more specific, the more of a sense of the midwife yeah. that you can get. I think we're pretty good about saying, you know, do you have any specific wishes, mm-hmm. requests, concerns, anything like that? And every now and then somebody has something that is really important that does not fit well with what we do. And we will be happy to say so like okay you might fit better with this other midwife that we mm-hmm. know really does that thing well mm-hmm. you know that's, whatever. A good, that's a really good point yeah mm-hmm. i mean yeah. we have no problem referring to people that seem like a better fit yeah mm-hmm. um yeah and sometimes it's just you just get the sense like wow this would be a really great fit for jane or you know mm-hmm. whatever yeah um yeah um yeah great But I mean, and also maybe there's one more caveat to answering that question, which is if by the end of three interviews, you don't feel like you've had that click with somebody, try another one. Yeah. Like, you know, give it a shot. Other fish in the sea. Other fish in the sea. Well, sometimes. I mean, sometimes you live in a place where there's just one midwife. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There's not always other fish in the sea. Um, Okay. Another question comes from, actually, this was a question that a friend of mine asked me again about when I was looking for a midwife. And she said, what qualities were you? And again, I wasn't a midwife at the time, Mm -hmm. but what qualities did you look for in a midwife is a question from a friend of mine, actually. Hmm. Well, for me, I know that it seems like I'm the hairy fairy half of this relationship, which is maybe true. I actually want a very very pragmatic midwife. I want, I want it to be pretty cut and dry with, you know, clinical care. Obviously I also like to be nurtured. I am, you know, a pregnant and birthing person, you know, when that's happening, but it is um, more about how does this midwife handle emergencies and how does this midwife, you know, generally do you know her you know work and if it's and I want just something really straightforward and not too mm-hmm. not too fluffy it doesn't have to be fluffy for me <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I don't think I was actually seeking out certain I was just looking for that click in my yeah. uh, for my own midwife so um if I were looking for a midwife now I'll answer it that way because okay. um you know it'd be a different situation. Also, if I were looking for a midwife now, just forget it. Put a fork in me, I'd be done. But (laughs) 
if I were looking for a midwife now, um, I, I agree about the straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, I would want somebody who I don't like not knowing what somebody's thinking. I know that sounds really weird, mm. but I like people that are pretty straightforward up front. It, I want to know your opinion about something for the most part. Mm. Um, but I, I also want to see an acknowledgement of whether or not the evidence supports it. So I want to know what you think about something. And Mm -hmm. I also want, um, evidence that you, um, are paying attention to the evidence. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I do want somebody who's, um, current keeps current and, uh, but th- but there's a lot of things that we do or don't do that aren't always evidence based, and I'm totally fine with that. I just want to know, you know. Right. Because uh, sometimes the evidence catches up to what we definitely do or don't do. I think delayed cord clamping is my constant example for that. You know, yeah. we knew long before there was a huge body of research, and now there's a huge body of research that delayed cord clamping is. There's things that just make sense. That was one of them. Like, you know, why would we need to cut this cord so fast? Right away. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So Mm -hmm. I guess that's, you know, I I want to, I do want to get a little sense of your thought processes and opinions and perspectives. And I don't want to be left guessing. I don't want someone that's so neutral that I have no idea what they think. That's I kind of want to know what you think. I like that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I also want a midwife who's decisive because I think that that's the bottom line. Like you, you said, how do they handle emergencies? I, I want somebody who mm-hmm. is decisive in an emergency. Yeah. Um, I don't personally feel like my midwife would need to have be the same as me. I don't feel like they would, I would need them to have the same opinions as me about a lot of different things, religion, um, medical treatments. I mean, dare I say vaccinations? (laughs) Like I don't, (laughs) those are not, to me, those are not litmus tests for my midwife. And um, I agree. But, but it is for a lot of people. A lot of times those are. Yeah. I mean, like for, I, I agree that I don't, we don't have to have matching philosophies, but I also don't want their philosophies to be intrusive. Right. right. That, oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, I am not a very religious person. And so I wouldn't want a midwife who is overtly religious in her care. Mm-hmm. She can be whatever she wants or he can be whatever mm-hmm. they want. And you know, in their private life, but I wouldn't want it to be part of my care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. I was thinking, I was thinking a little more from the opposite end of the spectrum, yes. like, <laughs> um, that I don't need to seek out somebody like I, I mean, you and I have fairly different beliefs about a number of things. And it's not a, it's not a problem right. at all. I would totally pick you to be my midwife. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Likewise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, so it's not, it's not bad at all. It's about, yeah, it is about how does that enter into the relationship of, of the midwife client relationship. Right. Yeah. 
Great. Um, hmm, the next question I don't fully um, understand. I think, oh, I, I know what it means. Um, I think it's it the okay. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna translate it because I think that it's not. Um, I think there was a couple of words that just you know it was just kind of a thought process that came in okay. from email. Um, what so if you, so, uh, I think they're saying what strengths do you bring with you to your practice? So, um, when looking for a midwife, what, um what strengths do we see as advantageous as a midwife? The so, questions for us about, you know, what strengths do we see uh, lend itself to being a, um, I mean, I don't like to say good midwife. <laughs> right. What, what strengths make for a, our good midwifery traits? <sighs> it's, the, the wording of this question is really kind of, um, I might be misinterpreting it a little bit, but I think that's what the intention okay. is. Okay. So, I mean, there's, it is individual to the person, of course, you know, whether certain things are, you know, better than others in terms mm -hmm. of traits. But I think it's generally true that a, you know, experience is important, although mm -hmm. there are some really great midwives that are new, you know, so it's not like the, uh, you know, the only thing, experience mm -hmm. is the only thing. And you could have the opposite problem that experience can mean you're stuck in your mm -hmm. ways too, you know, mm -hmm. so. For sure. Um, but how um, people approach certain things, um, I think is really important. Again, like emergencies, you know, how, how quick are people on their feet and, you know, making um, judgments when, when time is important and all mm -hmm. of that. Uh, I don't know. Am I answering this right? I think so. <laughs> Sometimes I wish we could have them on the call. Or, I know. Know, I'm not sure so if that's what they're looking for. <laughs> yeah. um, hmm. I think uh, I I think that there is a balance between being caring and compassionate and warm mm -hmm. and also, um, you know, sometimes the tough love is good too. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think as a midwife, um, I think that you, I think it's, it's like being, a, it's like being a mother. Oh, I don't really like comparing midwifery to parenthood and, um, but for me, it's kind of like being a mother. Sometimes, sometimes what people need is for you to be softer and sweeter. And sometimes what people need is for you to be, you know, a little more directive. And um, yeah, that's true. So I don't know. I think maybe balance would be the balance would be kind of where I'm going with that answer is that balance is a good trait. That's good. Because it's um, not, you know, even though I think I really value, um, you know, straightforward and pragmatic and all that stuff. It that can is be cold. It, yeah, you don't want to be cold. It is really important yeah. to be caring and nurturing yeah. and all of that too. <laughs> I wouldn't like it if my straightforward, like I, I just, I realized that I said that in the previous question, I feel like I was uh, prioritizing those traits, but 
I wouldn't, I also wouldn't like a midwife that I didn't feel like cared about me or, you know, anything like that too. So I think that there's definitely a, a balance to that. I think a trait is uh, an important trait is flexibility. I think that, um, you know, you have to be, and when I say that, I don't necessarily mean not having boundaries or not having a structure. What I mean by that is um, being willing to grow, being yeah. willing to change and change yes. your practice. Good. I like it. Mm-hmm. So that would be a good question, you know. Uh, oh, I actually think I actually think this did come up in our what questions that we wish that, wish that clients would ask us, but you know, what's something that you've changed in your practice? I think that would be a good question to assess whether they're flexible. Yeah, I like Um, that a lot. I think the ability to um, be, to, to, uh, there's a lot of information out there and the ability to curate or cultivate um, a practice based in, evidence-based care is really important. And mm-hmm. so that would be another trait that not that you're only about the numbers or about the research. And again, there's things that we do that are not always evidence-based, but I do think that the ability to say, you know, the evidence doesn't really support this, but I think it's really important mm-hmm. or the evidence really clearly supports this practice. You know, I think those are really important yeah. traits too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you feel like we hit that? Uh, do you feel like we answered that question? <laughs> I, think, I think I didn't tackle it from a trait standpoint, but um, a trait would be um, someone who is, uh, you know, really, I don't know, like really uh, able to problem solve well in, in like, I know critical thinking, critical mm-hmm. thinking, I think is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you, how would you assess that in a, if you were interviewing a midwife, mm-hmm. how would you assess that? I don't know. That's tough. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe it comes with some of the other questions you're asking, you know, when you're talking about things um, that, you know, the evidence behind certain ways of doing things or assessing the midwife's philosophies on certain practices, you might be able to discern the mm-hmm. midwife's. But um, the midwife is, has spent some time wrestling yeah. with this. And yeah. yeah, some critical thinking about it's not just, you know, we've done this this way for the last 30 mm-hmm. years and that's why mm-hmm. we do it, you know. Or like, I do it because my preceptor told me to do it right exactly yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so it's kind of in the complexity of the answer maybe is what Mm -hmm. you're saying yeah Mm -hmm. that's like that's great I'm trying really hard to think about qualities um that we look for as birthing people and not just I'm trying really hard not to just say things that I want to do myself you know what I mean like I'm trying not I'm trying to think that's why that's why I don't want to um, overstate the like researchiness because right you know I don't want to there's a lot to it it's it's more than just one thing or the other. How about this a midwife who values I'm trying to think of myself as a 22 mm-hmm. year old pregnant mm-hmm. person a midwife who values the autonomy of the client and Mm -hmm. 
informed decision making, um, you know, collaboration of mm-hmm. care and all of that. Um, you know, somebody who's not going to dismiss whatever mm-hmm. it is that we're talking feeling about. respected too. feeling. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like you're saying that you, you know, despite being a younger person that you were, yeah. were respected or yeah. Or, or um, not. I mean, that's why I switched mm-hmm. providers, but you know, I remember, um, you know, this is a long story, but you know, the short version of it is I went into my um, 34 week appointment and I had several weeks before had gained you know, like 10 pounds in a month or something, like a lot. I gained a lot. And, <laughs> um, you know, it's true. But <laughs> I, um, you know, my um, OBGYN, she knew, you know, that I wanted to have a natural birth and all of this stuff. And, and I went in for, you know, a month after I had gained all of this weight, I went in for my appointment and I'm talking about something about the natural birth. And she just casually said, well, you know, the likelihood is, you know, after that weight gain, you know, we're probably going to induce for preeclampsia. And Mm. she just like drew her finger across my belly and said, we're probably just going to go this way. (gasps) I mean, and just like, shocking. I know, completely like, just like deflated everything I had ever talked to her about. And And it's not even true probably she said yeah. probably yes yeah. yeah because probably means more than 50 percent chance yes. so that's not even true I mean it might be true in her practice that is <laughs> but not that you would develop preeclampsia oh right 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 maybe that right. you would get a c-section yes yeah maybe she yeah. would come up with 97 excuses that you get a c-section yeah. but that you would develop that you would probably develop preeclampsia is way overstating it yeah. is it an increased risk yes is that the right. same thing as probably? No. <laughs> so that would be, I mean, that was really late in the game, but that was a yeah. clear signal that I wasn't going to yeah. get what I wanted. <laughs> and Good for you. So I took yeah. action on it. But, um, you know, you just have to, you have to feel like your provider's listening to you. I mean, I definitely, at the very least, felt that she hadn't listened to me at all this entire time. Oh, feeling heard is so important. That's mm-hmm. such a great, that's not really a trait, but yeah, that is such a, that's very important. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I think, okay, so I think I'm going to move into the next, I think we're kind of getting hung up on the wording of this question. So I'm going to move into the next one, because I think that that will help us. (laughs) What I'm about to say actually answers the next question better. Refocus. (laughs) Yeah. Um, How important is experience versus education when choosing a midwife? And what I was going to say is that I do think experience is irreplaceable. That's what I was going to say in my, um, in, in the previous question, like an experienced midwife is now that being said with my first home birth, my, uh Oh, my AirPods think that I have been talking too much. <laughs> oh no. What did, did they tell it, you? Something? It, did, it did that little do 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 sound. Anyway. Oh, no. Hang on, I'm gonna gonna take one out and hope for the best here. Um, Maybe I could charge one up and then switch them out. Yeah. Um, Can you still hear me okay? Yep. Okay, so 
I was going to say with my first home birth, I actually did intentionally choose a primary under supervision student with a very experienced midwife supervising her. So it's not like it has to be, for me, it's not like it has to be the most experienced midwife as my midwife, but I want the input of a very experienced midwife. Mm-hmm. I guess. I agree. It's, you know, again, it's not everything, but it is a lot. Like experience is so important. I actually think, and you know, I'm a midwifery educator and I have two master's degrees. (laughs) So I obviously value education. However, I'm, I'm actually going to say that I think that experience is more important. Than education. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's, I think it's clear that that's true. Okay. (laughs) I feel really sacrilegious saying that. So I'm glad. I think educate, well, education is also important, but it's, I mean, you have to have the experience too. It's, it's not, it doesn't mean much. The education doesn't mean much without the experience. Right. Yeah. I mean, the education fills in the gaps. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who's a nurse and she actually said, you know, you learn enough in nursing school not to kill people, but it's really maybe we could do better (laughs) well no but it's really your when you get oriented to your job is really where your education comes in and I think that just kind of proves the point that it's yeah it's more about the experience oh wait wait hold on I can't hear you as well now oh you can't hear me now oh wait no now I can okay it would maybe it was the transition (laughs) yes I'm swapping out my airpods sorry people Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there's so much nuance that you learn through experience Mm -hmm. that is not, you know, it's all the, all the book learning is not gonna teach. And there's no way to get experienced experience except to get experiences. So I don't want to play this off as there's no other type of provider, but I do, I really believe I really went wrong early in my career um, because we didn't have very many, very many midwives in my area. And um, I had a birth that was just such a classic presentation of a slow progressing labor. Mm-hmm. And I just hadn't seen it that many times because I wasn't very experienced. And of course now it's like completely textbook. Right. Um but, but I didn't have the support that I needed of somebody to kind of be that sounding board. And, you know, there were no bad outcomes, but a very unhappy client. And, you know, if I had been more experienced, I would have been able to manage that better. And um, I think that now really one of the most important things to me is that new midwives have really strong mentorship after they become um, providers. And so, so for me, I absolutely encourage everybody to hire new midwives, but just make sure that um, that 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 experienced perspective is involved too. Yeah, I just think it's I just think it's so important. Yes, I think the mentorship is is such a big deal, and then you can get you have the best of both worlds. I think. Yeah. Now, all of that being said, I think midwifery education is very important too. Yes. Um, I think that we are professionalizing in such a way that we need to have a standard approach to making sure that the bases get covered. 
And, mm-hmm. um, and I think we're seeing a lot of improvement in that arena right now. So, um, so I do feel like, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay the importance of that either, but, it but experience is, is irreplaceable. Really yeah. It's, um, standardizing the education is really important because there's so much variation in what people learn when there's not standardization and it's um so you could you know if it's if it's solely dependent on let's say you have one preceptor available to you and Mm -hmm. this preceptor is super experienced but has you know questionable skills or philosophies or something you know and this is all you learn mm-hmm. you know I mean it's it um, I don't know it just doesn't produce a great uh, a midwife with great skills sometimes and it's mm-hmm. you know we, we've got to have the balance I yeah think. Mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah and kudos to everybody out there who has um, opened up their um, allowed students to learn um yes you know during your care that's awesome um okay this is the last one oh i wish i had not put this in this order sorry Uh oh (laughs) um the last one the question um the question came to us but i think it works for this um special edition um, and so somebody asked us what types of ex- what types of emergencies have you handled as a midwife? That's the question that came to us. But I'm going to frame it as this: um, When you're interviewing a midwife, mm-hmm. what what kind of answer would you expect if you asked what types of emergencies? So maybe this goes back to experience, actually, too. Yeah, I mean, so it if does. you were trying to assess that, what would you expect to hear? I would definitely want to hear about how they handle hemorrhages because that's the most common complication that we're going to encounter, um, you know, at least urgent complications. So I would definitely want to hear about that. I would also be interested in how they would handle things like membranes that are ruptured for a long time or... Oh, that's a uh, really good one. Yeah. (laughs) You know, or shoulder dystocia, which is the thing nobody ever wants to say but I would be interested in that you know would you be asking them how they handle it and what specific information would you be looking for I would want to know you know maybe some examples of ones that they have handled um, and from a professional standpoint and again you know it's hard to separate that but I would be interested in specific ways of handling you know what they think is the appropriate way to handle a particular complication Mm -hmm. yeah i think um i think this is tricky because sometimes we have state laws because understanding that our listenership is not all in colorado Mm -hmm. um there are state laws that could impact how these questions are answered from location to location Mm -hmm. but as a general rule I think that when somebody says, asks, how would you handle a hemorrhage? Um, you want to hear quick, decisive answers, you, you know, quick response should be in there. And because you can, you can lose a lot of blood in five minutes. You can exsanguinate yeah. in five minutes. I mean, yeah. it could be past the point of no return in five minutes. So quick yeah. needs to be involved. And I, 
I'm gonna just say, I think that uh, medical management of postpartum hemorrhage is the most appropriate. And if somebody starts talking about all the herbs or that they, or that they don't have hemorrhages because they do a lot of nutrition counseling early, that is a sign of, that is a sign of inexperience because you will see hemorrhages if you've done enough births. Yeah, I agree. And it, I mean, I understand that this might be offensive to some midwives, but it's, yeah, in my opinion, it would, it would be an inappropriate response to say that we don't treat hemorrhages with medications. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would want it decisive, like what you mm -hmm. said, decisive management, please. Also with the prolonged rupture membranes, I think that's really interesting because I think if the question is, so now let me say this, in the literature, waiting for ruptured membranes with certain conditions, no fever, no vaginal examinations, you know, a, a number of things having mm -hmm. been in place, waiting for labor to start after membranes rupture for a while is actually shown to have pretty good uh, outcomes. However, mm -hmm. many states have rules, um, mm -hmm. kind of looking for a baby within about 24 hours. Yeah. Um, and so I would want to hear an answer that something's going to happen before 24, that there's going to be things that we try to do before 24 hours because, right. Um, because the risk of infection does go up after 24 hours, although it's a it's a um, small absolute risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would want to hear, yeah, we're going I mean, to do something. What I would like to know is what action do you feel is appropriate to take, you know, for a certain thing. And, mm -hmm. and I, I'm not, personally, as a person, I'm not probably going to be happy with not taking any kind of action. <laughs> I, I would be really disappointed as a client. Well, I had, I thought, I think that one really resonated with me because I had uh, pre-labor rupture membranes with my third and it was, and I actually think my midwife handled it great exactly the way that I would handle it um which is that we wait for a while and then we don't <laughs> yeah wait and see what what we can do and then when and then we try happens. something that we can do at home because yeah. I would be pretty disappointed if we didn't do anything and then all of a sudden my clock was up and I had to go to the hospital oh, yeah. I would want to try something at home first yeah and shoulder dystocia um again I think um you want to know that that's something that somebody's handled. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately yep. it's something that happens and it's one of the more, yeah, you know, I don't want to say urgent, but it is one of the but more it's, urgent. It's and, one of the most dangerous things that could happen yeah. in a birth. And it's, it's important to know at least what, you know, do you, do you drill maneuvers? Like what is it that you, what do you do? <laughs> to, yeah. Even if you've never had one, how have you prepared yeah. for that? Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's a great point. Good. Good. I like the way that that, I like the way that that, um, we turned that into fit the, ask the midwives. Um, good. Is there anything else if you were interviewing, if you were, if somebody, let's say that your sister who lives in another state is interviewing midwives, is there anything else you would encourage her to ask um i would be somewhat interested although this is not like a you know definite you know deal breaker on any level but i would be interested in their personal birth experiences some midwives mm -hmm. don't have them so that doesn't mean that they're not great midwives if they haven't had babies of their own but it is an interesting 
thing to know about if um, if a person has had home births. You know, I, I think it just adds a little dimension to the to mm-hmm. the picture. Um, I don't know. I don't think I would ask any um, personal philosophical questions. I don't, I don't usually like it when people ask me personal <laughs> philosophical <laughs> questions, so I don't think I would do it to them either. <laughs> you know, I just tend to, I honestly just tend to strike up conversation with people and see if there's just Is there a spark? Yeah. Do we get along? (laughs) (laughs) I would just want to know a little bit about them. I mean, I would want to know about their family a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just not, not in an intrusive way. Just, you know, tell me about yourself. You want to know that you can have a conversation with this person, you know, because you're going to spend a lot of time with them. Yeah. Because even if you have brief appointments at 30, 40 minutes, um, that's like a lot of time that if you don't have to, anything to talk about, you don't have anything to talk yeah, about. Agreed. <laughs> so, it's good. I'm, I'm always, I feel like that's maybe one of my superpowers though, is that I can usually find a connection with people. And so I, it's not like that's a very difficult thing for me to do, but I do just want to see that we have that like ease of. Yeah. That's ease good. of conversation. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's interesting because, of course, we're doing interviews virtually right now. We just don't need extra people. You know, we're just trying to keep people for non-urgent visits mm-hmm. don't need to come in. But um, it's a it's a little. It was hard at first on Zoom. I thought with making yeah. that connection, but um, I think we're all getting used to Zoom. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it does seem easier. But yeah, I agree. It was a little. Yeah, there's a lot of body language that's missing. And yeah, it's, it it was tough at first. Yeah. I wonder if they're wearing pants. No, just kidding. I (laughs) really wonder that. That's the joke about the newscasters though, isn't it? That they're wearing boxer shorts and blazers. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right. Well, I guess that's, hopefully that gives you some starting ground for um, where to, you know, kind of where to begin with the questions to ask. Again, go back to our early podcast questions that we wish that clients would ask us. This is a little bit more about like kind of um, tips tips for the interview, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if somebody doesn't have an interview time for, I don't know if that's common in any location, but I do think the ability to meet with someone is really important. Yeah, um, I think somehow. So somehow we need a chance to get to know each other. And and sometimes people, we have a phone conversation and people are like, yeah, this is great. Let's just get started. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it's a good, it's a good practice to just um, meet with, meet with a couple of people. Yeah. And uh, did it was that, is that what we talked about? Oh yeah. Yeah. That was the first question. I was like, wait, when did we talk about that? That was the first question. Yeah. Meet with a couple of people and see if there's that, that click. And if it seems like you guys would, hit it off yeah I mean that being said we have interviewed lots of people that just hire us you know at the first interview and and like you and I both said we did that too and it's I think it's okay too to say oh no I like this person it's fine we're we're just gonna we're gonna go with this you know you know go with your gut (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I feel more often than not, people end up doing that anyway. They yeah. maybe interview somebody else and then they're like, no, I really did have that connection and that's great. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Good point. All right. Well, um, follow us on Instagram at Metro Midwifery. 
Facebook at Metro Midwifery, Twitter at Metro Midwifery. Um, mm-hmm. You can find the podcast on our website, um, either through uh, the regular website, metromidwifery.com, on podcasts, the podcast tab, or you can um, go to modmidwives.com. So, and then follow us on Apple Podcasts and Google Pod- Podcasts. Podcasts. <laughs> Spotify. I feel like my talking for the day is done. I my know. It's words late are not in the working. Day. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.